You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 33 and a third RPMs. The iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode number 33, the only comic book podcast that runs without a script. <laughs> uh, I'm Ron, and I'm here with Connor. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Good to hear from you, Connor. Um, and we are not joined by our compatriot, Josh, who is normally with us. Yeah, we got a lot of feedback from people saying that they couldn't tell Josh and Ron apart, so we figured, why do we need both of them? Just Exactly, just, just so we one, fired him. Just one guy. Josh is gone. So I hope you all are, you know, you're, I hope you're happy. You, the, the fans have spoken, and now you're stuck with Ron and Connor. So, oh, we're just kidding. Josh is out for the weekend, but we might pull him into the podcast a little later on, so stay tuned. So, um, anyway, for those of you who aren't aware or just listening to this for the first time, um, ifanboy.com is a comic book website where uh, we provide a a place for some people to talk about comics, as well as um, every week we review, we read all the comics that came out this past week, and we pick one um, as our pick of the week and write a little review of it. You can go to ifanboy.com and read the written review, but then um, we come on here onto this podcast and talk about it, as well as some of the other comics that came out this week. Um, So this week, Connor... um, uh, had the heavy-handed duty of picking the um, the comic this week. So, what did you pick? Well, just briefly, out of to get the introductory stuff out of the way, it was a really small week. I only had five books, so um, the pick of the week really stood out. It didn't it didn't take much reading to to decide this was going to be the one. It was Superman, Batman, number twenty six, and uh, more powerful comic I have not read in a while. Yeah, I, I I actually bought more than you did. I bought like about nine books this week, um, but it was still an average week. But even as I was going through my stack after I read this, I was like, "There's no way he can pick any other book other than this one." <laughs> it's like you just you just can't. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> um, it's 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 a special comic. It it was written by or plotted by Sam Loeb, the son of Jeff Loeb, and Sam Loeb died last year of cancer. He was 17, and as a tribute to um, his son, Jeff finished the script along with 26 other um, industry luminaries. I mean, he basically got every everybody he was friends with in the industry, no matter what company they were from or how a stature. And shall we, shall we rattle off some of the highlights of this list of 26 yeah, people? Yeah, some of the writers are Jeff Loeb, Jeff Johns, Brian K. Vaughn, Alan Heinberg, Paul Levitz, Mark Verheiden, Richard Starkings, Brad Meltzer, Audrey Loeb, which I assume is Jeff's wife or... <laughs> or someone. something. Someone, someone related. Joe, Joe <laughs> Kelly, Joe Casey, and Joss Whedon. And the art was by Ed McGinnis, Dexter Vines, Jim Lee, Scott Williams, Tim Sale, Pat Lee, Carlos Pacheco, Mike Kunkel, Duncan Rouleau, Ian Churchill, Rob Liefeld, Joe Maduera, Art Adams, Joyce Chin, Jeff Matsuda, Jesus Marino, John Cassidy, and Michael Turner. So this is like a... As well as Tim Sale, or did you say Tim Sale? I did Sale? say Tim Sale, but... Tim Sale, yeah, I mean, it was... It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a huge list. And it's very... It's, it's, it's a story... It's, this is so multi-layered. The story itself is... Um, it, it's got a framing store, framing device which starts off with Robin. Superboy has just died in Infinite Crisis, and Robin is talking about his friend, his best friend who just died, saying the, the best way to remember your friend is to talk about him. So he's going to tell us a story about Superboy. So it flashes back to an adventure that Robin and Superboy had together. That's the main meat of the story. Which the plot to that really isn't important. It's just 
Superman and Batman task Robin and Superboy with going to check on the young toy man who lives in Japan because they haven't heard from him in a while and he helps build stuff for the heroes. And it's just their adventures trying to find Toy Man in his lair. He's got all these robots and wacky adventures, and it's 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 a, it's a good. Some, I mean, it's a good story. It's a very I mean, fun it's, story. It's, it's the kind of story you don't get a lot. Um, this is the kind of thing you I, almost I, find in an annual a couple years. Yeah, ago. and it's and it's also because the, the approach to it is because I guess that you know they had a general plot, but you know I'm always interested when there's like this jam kind of that's done with with lots of artists and specifically like the art is one thing. I mean, like the styles kind of flow and change, right. but the writing too. I mean, it, it stayed. You know, it didn't seem like it flowed pretty nice. Same, pretty so. consistent. And one thing I have to say about the writing is. Um, these two guys who are supposed to be teenage 16, 17-year-old characters really talk like 16, 17-year-old guys. Yeah. Uh, you don't get that a lot in comics. Sometimes they're written like just little miniature adults. And these guys rag on each other. They make fun of each other. They put, you know, these, these, these guys really sound like they're best friends, and you don't often get that. Um, Robin sometimes yeah. written stiff. You know, he's like a, written like a stiff. But he's, he's <laughs> got a sense of humor here. You know, this is how two te- teenage boys would act with their best friends, and they were hanging out. And that was, that was a really strong suit to the writing. The art is, you know, I I, I agree with you, Ron. This this is the kind of thing I used to love, where they have a bunch of artists on a special issue, and you get a different take on every couple pages. And there's some really fabulous stuff in here. And there's some really forgettable stuff too, unfortunately. Well, there is, but I didn't I didn't want to <laughs> name namely one page. But let's not talk. Let's not talk, for this type of book. We shouldn't dwell on the negative, I guess. Yeah, I didn't I didn't bring it up. I didn't no. see it feels right, but um, yeah. so. Sam Lowe plotted the book. These writers went and scripted it. But then, after you get through the main story, uh, there's a backup story called yep. Sam's Story, written by Jeff Loeb, drawn by Tim Sale. And it, and that's that's the real highlight of this. This book, is the story. There, I got. I didn't. I didn't. There were no tears, but I got a little like you were misty. I got you, a little you misty. You can admit it. it. You can admit it. It um. It's basically Jeff writing a story about Superman when he was in high school, and there's a guy in his class named Sam who. Seems to be just a comic book version of his son, and um, Sam in the story also gets cancer and, and dies. And it's it's a, it's a short story, one, two, three, four, five, six pages, but it's really heartfelt. It really grabs you. And did you did you notice on the first page of Sam's story that apparently Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy go to Smallville? Huh? I did notice that. Yeah, that was kind of neat. Um, but um, yeah, but that this backup was really that. You was can the, just you feel know. you can feel just pain on every page of this backup story. Yeah, and um. In addition to this, I went online, did some research on this on the whole subject, and there was a, Newsarama did an interview with all most of the creators, which I linked in the pick of the week on ifanboy.com, where they just basically give just their memories of of Sam. And it sounds like one incredible kid, and they all seem to be have been touched by him. Yeah. So um, this is just this is this is just a really special issue, and every uh, dollar made from this issue and from the they're going to auction all of the art off at the I think Wizard World Chicago, I believe. Yep. All of the proceeds from the auction and from the sales of this comic go to the Sam Loeb um, College Scholarship Fund, which is really a great thing to do. So to to have his memory go on like that. So yeah. Um. So this was this is a really just amazing comic that I haven't. I mean, this is this yeah. is this is a comic where I read it afterwards and it just completely blown away, and didn't even think about any other books this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, I don't think I don't think I could have picked any other book either. And and not only you know from the sentimental aspect of it and the just the emotion of it, but it also like it gave us some really great stuff. I mean, like the the Tim Sale backup story, even Tim Sale's pages in here were great. And and I don't know what he's been. I mean, I haven't seen anything by Tim Sale in a while. Um, I know he's been doing DC stuff, I guess, but um, but 
you know, it's kind of looking at it, you know, kind of looking away from the, you know, the more negative aspect, looking at it from the comics point of view. Um, what it, what it kind of did was get me excited about some other stuff that's going on. I mean, because like I haven't seen anything by Joe Midoriya in a while, right. and I know he's he's geared up to work with Jeff Loeb on the next, uh, you know, season three of the Ultimates or whatever after Mark uh, Miller and uh, uh, what's his name Hitch finish uh, finish up. And Midoriya's pages look good. Yeah, they do. Like I'm, I'm like kind of excited to see his take on the Ultimates, and then. The other thing is that on the first, the first and last page was um, Ed McGinnis, I think, yes. who's been a pretty a pretty staple in this this book, and he just went exclusive to Marvel. And looking at these pages, and then thinking about the previous Superman Batman issues that were by McGinnis, I'm psyched for him to go, come to Marvel. Um, he's a, the idea of him him doing like the Hulk or Thor or something was is going to be he's awesome. He's a great so. artist. I love the Cassidy pages. I just love Cassidy. Yeah, go get him. Cassidy's good. Um, but I, yeah. you know what? Even thinking about it, if you take away the the backstory to the comic, I think it's possible this, this would have been the pick anyway, just because the story itself was really fun. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, the story was great and the art was great. I mean, I, I, I have no qualms at all with this pick at all. So, so that was the pick of the good week. Stuff. It was really good. Good stuff. So, um, so yeah, please check it out and please buy. You know, even if you don't read DC Comics or whatever, go to your store and pick it up just to help out for the um, for the scholarship fund and just kind of do your part. And, yeah, if you, and, if you don't normally buy the book, you should just really pick it up. Do yourself a favor. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure Jeff Loeb would appreciate it. So. Who who is li- who is likewise a great guy yeah. and so a, a huge force in comics who we should be thankful for to have on our side so <laughs> so all right well anyway <laughs> what else did you read oh it's a downer oh, uh, but it was a good book so it should be an upper so well it's it's a downer um, but at the same time the story's fun so the story's uplifting yeah. too yeah exactly so what else did you read worth talking about. Um, well, really, you know, there was a, I had a lot of kind of stuff that was just kind of, you know, kind of forgettable, you know, that, not forgettable, but just the kind of, like, filler stuff, you know, like, nothing, you know, hugely amazing happened in, like, you know, Ultimate Fantastic Four or Ultimate Spider-Man or 52 or Well, Runway I did hear like that, that, uh, there was something hugely amazing in Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, that's actually where I was getting to. Ama- it, like, had Superman Batman not come out, um, and I was doing the pick, I probably would have picked Amazing Spider-Man, which was the only, I think it was the only Civil War tie-in book this week, and it was the only one that I purchased. And um, basically what it, it focused, it continued to focus on um, Peter Parker and Tony Stark's kind of relationship and dealing with um, dealing with, what, with, the, with the Superhero Registration Act. Okay, so this is similar in structure to the Wolverine comp from last week. Well, yeah, well, yes. I mean, and it's interesting to see, like, where, if you like, continuity freaks, like, since, since since all of a sudden we're the continuity police. <laughs> um, if you had to play, this, this book would happen right, like, this book would happen at the same, t- like, right within the first, like, five pages of Civil War, mm-hmm. number one. And then Wolverine kind of would happen th- scattered throughout Wolver- um, Civil War number one, right. but it ends after Civil War number one. Well, this is still kind of, you know, this is uh, like the, the meeting, the superhero meeting at the Baxter building doesn't happen yet in this. Oh, so, um, you know, so the, the, the shit hits the fan, and then Tony ends up going to um, meet with the president, and he basically, and at the end of Civil War number one, when, when Iron Man and um, Yellow Jacket, Mr. Fantastic, are in the cabinet room right. saying that they'll take care of Captain America, this is the meeting that kind of puts Iron Man in the president's corner. Okay. Um, and he basically commits himself to the cause, and the president actually calls him out on whether or not he's Iron Man, and, and Tony tells the truth and says, yes, I am Iron Man. So, so he's not um, controlling Iron Man from a room in his underwear? Oh, okay, sidebar. <laughs> it looks like the consensus on... Is he in the suit? Is he not in the suit? Is that he's in the suit 
And in New Avengers number 19 and 18, the shots of him, like, it looks like the room in the panel in his underwear, is like a virtual representation of him in the suit. Because I also, I went over to Bendis' message board, which you can go visit at jinxworld.com, but don't you leave our site. Come back to our site and post. Um, but I, and I posed the question, hoping that Bendis would respond, but he didn't, because he's too busy. But, um, and a lot of the, the majority of the people there felt as if that he was in the suit, and as evidenced by in, pre, in, in some situations when something like happened to his right, they show him in the virtual thing, like, looking to his right. See... Which, which is just far too subtle, I know. I, I don't agree, like it. But, I, I yeah. think that's, that's, it just leads to way too much confusion. I know, but we're getting sidetracked, right, but whatever. Right. So, but so, um, so I, I guess at this point in Marvel continuity, it was unknown to the general public whether, like, Tony Stark had made it, made everyone think that he wasn't Iron Man anymore, that Iron Man was just his bodyguard, right. and he admitted to the president that no, in fact, he's being Iron Man again. And after doing that, he tells Peter what he did and said, "Listen, Peter, you know, I asked you if you were in my corner. Are you going to be in my corner or not?" And Peter's like, "Absolutely." He said, "Okay, well then, you need to come clean with your identity." And Peter freaks out and says, "Ask me to do anything but that. I just can't do that." Right. And Tony says, he "says Okay, but it's your choice. You know, you can either come back down here to DC and meet me, prepare to uh, you know unmask, or I or we're done." And so um, Peter, you know, weighs the decision. He figures out all how much money he has to himself, and then he talks with Mary Jane and Aunt May and says, "Listen, I've got two options. I can either unmask and." You know, put myself as well as you guys in danger, or I can run and I can take all the money I have, and I can't see you guys ever again. And basically, there's a there's an impassioned speech from Aunt May that you know you should stand up for yourself, and and with great power comes great responsibility. And and the the line here, she says, and responsibility means you don't run away when someone asks who did that. <sighs> so so um and she and Aunt May's as she Aunt May's telling him this she hands him his old costume his old cloth you know red and blue you know that we're all used to and basically it ends with Peter going back down to DC shaking hands with Tony and says I'm with you and then there's a press conference and and um it ends with Spider-Man at the podium saying I have an announcement to make. Well this is this so, is apparently rankled lots of people online. Well, yeah, because I mean, ba- I mean, because the the thing is, is that like you know, like the the big Spider-Man debate over you know the past couple of years, aside from you know clone sagas and costumes, has been, you know, has making him be married to Mary Jane be you know be a problem for the character. Yes. But it's this is kind of like pushing that aside because the gist of Spider-Man to me is the fact that nobody knows who he is, right. is the fact that he has a secret identity. And if they unmask him next issue and everyone knows he's Peter Parker, that's going to be a huge component of the character that's lost. But that's not to say that I'm not interested to see how that story unveils. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not ready to drop the book if he, if he unmasks. So I'm not entirely sure why I did not buy this book. I, I'm not entirely sure either. I'm, I was shocked that you didn't get it. <laughs> I think a part of me feels like that completest attitude where I, didn't, I haven't been buying the previous... Amazing Spider-Man time. But you re- you sat in my house and read the previous issues of Amazing Spider-Man. You know what happened. That I did. And that's what yeah. that, that, therein lies the confusion in my part. I don't know why. You have no excuse. I probably will go no. back and get it because um, I w- this week I bought last week's Wolverine based on your um, talking yeah. about it. So I'll probably do the same. Probably what I'll continue to do is just go wait for you to talk about something every week and then I'll go back and buy <laughs> you it. You need to read this. <laughs> that's just how I'll play it for the rest of the, the, the duration. That's episode. fair. That's all right. I mean, because, hey, you're not made of money. You know? <laughs> that's just true. And Lord knows we're not getting anything for, for doing this. 
Um, but yeah, but it's gonna. I mean, the thing is, is that like it, that's this is gonna be a huge polarizing issue, and I think it's gonna freak a lot of the fandom out. And I think there's already been discussion on the board about people who reacting to. And the thing is, is that the important thing to know in that Amazing Spider-Man number five thirty-two, which is the issue we're talking about, he has not unmasked. This is true. Though, this for, is all assuming he actually goes through with it. It hasn't happened, and for some reason, I would not completely not be surprised if he takes his mask off and goes, "My name is Ben Riley." <laughs> You know what I mean, or like makes up some some sort of thing to you know to to try to do it. I mean, but uh, you know, but uh, right now it looks like he's going to say that he's Peter Parker. And but it's interesting because all the artwork that we've seen, a lot of the artwork that we've seen for um for Civil War has shown Spider Man on both sides, right? And and he, in, in, in the middle, almost. Yeah, and in the new costume on one side, and in the old costume on the other side. So I don't know how that plays into it either. So. Well, he's obviously going to be a pivotal force. What was it that Tony said about him in the Illuminati special? That would, didn't they say that he would be? He, oh, he used them as the example. Yeah, so right? he's obviously the linchpin in this whole thing. Yeah, and, and then, then the question is, is that like because the thing is, and this it kind of makes me sad because everybody, I mean, find me somebody who's not sympathetic to Peter Parker. Right. Like find me, find me any guy, Harry Osborn. especially, especially. Right. Well, I mean, in real in re- readers, like okay. reality people. Um, like find me any guy, especially, and I'm sorry to get geographic, but especially people like me and you from the New York metro area who like don't kind of wish we were Peter. Sure. Or like you know, and like and and in that regard, like would love to be in his shoes, and like you know, like that sort of thing. But um, a part of me kind of feels bad because I, because he's like in here, he's like talking to Tony, saying you've done so much for me and our family. You took us in when no one else would, and I, you've you've been like a father to me. Of course, I'm behind you. And I don't know whether Iron Man's using him or not. See, I, I, listening to you talk about it, I'm wondering when Tony became such a dick. Yeah, I, I mean, I, hey, you go. How many years has it been without a drink? <laughs> That's true. Oh, I'm sorry. We shouldn't go there. But um. But yeah, no, Tony, I mean, Tony's been, I mean, he believes what he's talking about, and the thing is, I don't know enough about Tony Stark as a character to know whether or not this is in his character or not, sure. although in the most recent issue of Wizard, which I know I'm still buying, they, in, this is this is one of the reasons why every now and then Wizard is, is worth it, they had a two-page spread that was looking at Iron Man and Captain America through the years and various skirmishes they've had, right. And there's like six examples over the past 40 years of Iron Man and Captain America disagreeing on core issues similar to this issue. I can think of one off the top of my head. There's a comic I own, which is um, I, I remember I remember the cover. It's it's Captain America as uh, the captain when he wore the black suit and he resigned, yep. throwing his shield at, at Iron Man. Yep, yeah, they, that was one of them that they mentioned. And then then there was another one where like. Um, there was some big battle, and Iron Man and Thor came in like after the fact, and Iron Man got all mad at him for like not helping. And Cap's like, "You're here when it's convenient to you. What are you talking about?" You know? <laughs> and then there's like another one when there's like some decision to be made, and and Tony's like, "You know, this is a decision for an original Avenger to make." Ouch. You know, which is a yeah, which is a low. I mean, four issues. Come on. <laughs> I mean, you know, like it's just not. <laughs> so I don't know, but it's interesting to see you know that there that that this kind of skirmish between the two characters is building, and maybe Tony's always been a dick. I mean, he's a businessman and he's a genius, and he knows. How to play the angles, you know. That's true. So, so I don't know. Well, but um, so, so Amazing Spider-Man number five thirty-two was interesting. So the only other issue in note that I thought I wanted to bring up um, was here's a blast from the past. Remember the whole uh, House of M and Decimation event? Oh yeah, what happened to that? Well, it seems that we're finally wrapping that up with um, Son of M number six, which just came out, which came out last week, which is the last issue in the miniseries telling the story of what happened to Quicksilver after that. That whole event got really quiet. It got really quiet, but I'm wondering if it's going to come back, and I'm not going to get into details of what happened because honestly, this miniseries was forgettable and it was kind of annoying. And and we've watched another character like Quicks- in this case, Quicksilver, get destroyed. But um, 
But what did happen was is that basically the Inhumans now have declared war on the United States government. Whoa. So yeah, which is kind of a huge thing and although they although in talking to Mr. Fantastic at the end of the thing they admit that it's a cold war right now. But, you know, hopefully, you know, that they won't be meeting as enemies next time they, they get together. That's something so, I'd be interested in reading. Yeah, so I don't know whether that's going to tie into Civil War at all, either. That's that's another he- headache for the whole Civil War thing. Because if you've got, you know, the United States is filled with, like, a team like the Avengers who are supposed to protect them, and then Inhumans are declaring war on the United States, does that mean now that the unmasked, you know, kind of government-backed heroes are going to fight the, the Inhumans? We're going to have, like, a Kree skull, skull War, but with the U.S. and Inhumans? I don't know. I mean, It's an interesting development, though. Yeah, it's an interesting development that I think is going to go under the radar and then come back like at the end of the summer or in the fall, and everyone's going to be clamoring to get this issue. So, um, if you're a collector, Son of M number six, I pick it up. So, so that's about. Um, were there any other books that came out? Or and one other book I wanted to talk about this week was uh, Queen and Country number thirty. Oh, that's from Greg Rucka. Oh, that's the one. That's the monthly with Rucka back, right? Yeah, it's actually back being monthly now since the last issue. It's. Um, it's been gone for a while. It's been sorely missed. And I know we've had a lot of talk on the website about um, what are good indie books, black and white books, non-superhero books, and this is definitely one of the top books. Hey, you know who would really like to be a part of this? Who? Josh. Well, let's see if, we let's Josh. see if we can pull him in. Hang on. Let me... We are dialing Josh. Watch him not pick right. up. Hello. Hey, Josh. We're on? we're on. Hey, it's Ron and Connor. We're here. We're doing the podcast, man. What's up? Oh, this is like a radio. I know, show. It totally is. <laughs> so, where are you? Only I was some sort of interesting guest. <laughs> our fr- I am in. I love the fact that our first special guest is one of our hosts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we wouldn't want to blow it on on somebody interesting and really screw. Yeah, up. exactly. Screw it up with me. Who cares? I'll be. Back. So why? So why aren't you doing the podcast right now with us? Uh, my lovely wife and I have decided to go camping, and we thought, hey, let's all, we've always decided we wanted to go to Joshua Tree. Oh. Um, so I'm in the middle of, like, a Joshua Tree Desert National Park, where it is, I'm looking down, it's 106. Jesus. Uh, but it was as high as 112, so I don't really know what I was thinking, as I really literally could burst into flames. <laughs> At any given moment, uh, right? <laughs> with any, with any bit of skin exposed. So. You know that it's June, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. I think in my mind, a month and a half ago, we were going skiing in this general direction, so I thought, well, it couldn't have gotten that much hotter. (laughs) It it did. (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) So anyway, so we've been doing the podcast, and uh, Connor just brought up the fact that he picked up the new issue of Queen and Country, which was written by Rucka and is back on a monthly schedule, and we figured you'd want to get in on this. I totally would. I'm going to warn you. I haven't read it yet. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I I save it till the end, and I only got through, like, this week again, I had, like, giant stack of comics, just like last time, like, it was like 10 or 12 books or something like that, which really take a long time to get to, I'm not quite up to speed yet. Right. Did you, well, but, uh, I did listen to over an hour of him talking on the radio, so I feel like I'm all... Well, he, yeah, no, I, actually, I wanted to mention that, he he was on um, uh, the podcast Word Balloon, which I think a lot of our listeners also listen to, and that, I really have to recommend that podcast, he, Greg, Greg Rucka, I don't read anything by Rucka, and after listening to that podcast, like, I'm ready to go out and pick up Queen of Country and go pick up Checkmate. Why? Literally... He's literally too smart. Yeah, for uh, I, I think most. Just of to, us. just to listen to him talk about like the the political like the thing like he's got he's so into the po- the politics of stuff and like the and the, his approach to writing and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it re- it really blew me away. I mean, like I've seen him at cons before and I thought he was really kind of interesting. Although, seriously, if you you know closed my eyes and told me it was Lewis Black, I would believe you. Um, I don't. He, he, I, if you don't know, he sounds exactly like 
Al Franken. He looks exactly like Louis Black. Right. I don't know why I needed to close my eyes to listen to a podcast, but you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're there. <laughs> so, Connor, you're the only one who read the book. I mean, why do you want to talk about it? Well, in, re- in relation to what you just said about the, his interview, Queen of Country is very cerebral. It's it's a spy book in the in a very realistic sense. There's not a lot of um, gadgets or car chases or sh- shootings. There are occasional shootings, but it's mostly a lot of intrigue, a lot of politics, a lot of backstabbing, a lot of actual spying. Right. And, and, and a lot of the interpolitics within the spy agencies and like their. It's very intelligent, uh, very, very Yeah, well, that, that, that was what, like, one of the things that Rucka was talking about in the Word Balloon podcast was how, like, in, in these kind of political stories, there's always kind of two antagonists. There's, like, the guy who wants to blow up the building with the suicide bomb, and then there's the, the bureaucracy, the people in the agency of where the agents are working on, you know? And so that's a, that's a real, I think that's a real realistic approach to the topic, you know? Plus, if you read the book, you wonder how anything's ever done if all the agencies that want control or credit or they want their guys to do things, and everybody's got to backstab everybody else to get things done. You wonder how anything ever gets done in the intelligence world, and as we see, things don't tend to get done in the intelligence world. Yes. I remember him. De- I remember him describing the operation that was going on in this. Like he's in the middle. It's Operation Red something. But he said, you know, like I finished up the operation part in about eight pages. So what are you going to do for it? For? It's yeah. Like it, that sort of tells you what the book's about. It, there's some action in it, definitely. It's really good, but and this this and this issue features. Um, that there's definitely some some spy movie action in terms of there's some violence and some, some death, but also a lot of just one director of one agency in another director's office and then dialogue for three pages, and it's and it's very tense and it's very well written and he's he's an excellent excellent writer. He's a novelist in case anybody yeah. doesn't like he, he started off uh, writing novels and. When he talks about comics, like that's that's clearly what's in his mind. He thinks of it in that way. And and, I mean, and does he write novels within the Queen and Country world? Like with the same. Well, that's what I was going to say. The only the only downside I can see to this book right now is that this concurrent storyline takes place after the last novel, which I did not read. Right. And it, while you can follow the story, it, it is slightly unclear about some things that have happened. Clearly, you could think of it like a downside, in a way. But you could also, I mean, that's also kind of cool. It is, and I and I and I certainly intend on reading the book. I have it on you know on my list of books to buy. And he's also he's got another Queen of Country book that he just was just released. Um, but at the same time, it seems like there's a major a major event happened in that book, and it's affecting the characters in the storyline. And I just want to know what happened. How do I, how do I, I have that book on the shelf. I just I think it's the next thing I'm going to read, but it's just. A lot of stuff. A lot of things to read, really. <laughs> there really are. But Ron, I think way, speaking of that, just a complete aside, today in the mail, I got uh, my Absolute Watchmen. Oh, nice. Sweet. I was so excited before I left. I was like, ooh, I'll talk about that next you, week. You can't, you can't bring that to the desert. Uh, no <laughs> Lug that book. Up. I want to open up and find a. I want to open up and find a scorpion. <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, Connor. I think I'm going to go. Pick, I'm going to go to the comic book store tomorrow because I think they're closed and, uh, now. But to go pick it up because because this also ties into what we were talking about last week about how there are no, you know, what indie books are out there. While I'm not really into, um, you know, like the the whole spy kind of espionage stuff. I did read earlier Queen and Country things, and I just you know for lack of anything else out there, I might pick it up. So. Oh, it's, it's definitely recommended. It gets better and better. White out before it, in case you. I think. Yeah, I've white. I've white out in trade. So. Yeah. So cool. Awesome. Well, Josh, don't well, burn uh, up. I'll try my best not to uh, forge on without me. Yeah, we we don't want to we don't uh, take away um, more of your you know weekend jaunt. Say how to say how to Lindsay for us though. 
I, I will do just that. Excellent. Uh, goodbye, guys. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're, <laughs> goodbye, we're gonna we're gonna tackle our pile of listener mail now. So I'm sure you're gonna miss out on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> what did we do wrong now? <laughs> You said Magneto's cape was magenta, but <laughs> exactly. So, all, all right. right, enjoy the weekend. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye. bye. Well, thanks, Josh, for calling in on your holiday trip. He's a trooper. Taking so. taking time out from your personal life. And we told we told everybody that we get him into this podcast. So I don't know. So we're you know we you know sometimes not all three of us can be together, but this is the extent that we go to to make sure that we give you guys the quality that you like. Maybe if we kept him on the phone all the time, people would know when it's you and when it's him. Exactly, and then we can hang up on him. <laughs> no, anyway, sorry. <laughs> so, um, so let's get into some of this listener mail. Um, we got a we got a bunch this week. Thank you again. If you want to write us an email, you can uh, shoot us one at contact at ifanboy dot com. Um, our first email comes from Seth, um, who's written before he has, and he's a huge fan of the podcast. Um, he looks forward to it every week. He wanted to let us know that um, he's working on a web comic. And he wanted us to take a look at it and for everybody else to take a look at it. And if you're interested, you can go to um, www.alchemistcomics.com. That's A-L-C-H-E-M-I-S-T-C-O-M-I-C-S.com, alchemistcomics.com. And I checked it out, and it looks pretty good. You know, it's, it's pretty cool to see you know, people you know, using the different mediums out there and, and making comics and doing their own stories and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, so, it's just the first, the first uh, part, so it's, you know, it's yeah. hard to really judge, but... I mean, because right. he asked us what we thought, it's just hard to judge. But it, I mean, the art looks good, so. Yeah, and and hey, uh, something's better than nothing That's in my true. book. So people should DIY, do it yourself. Should get so. out there and create, which is always good. Exactly. So thank you, Seth, and keep us posted on your progress, and we'll we'll check it out as as you progress. Um, all right. So our next question comes from uh, Dominic, uh, formerly Cletus Von Dom, now Dom of the Dead. Very, com- <laughs> very complex. <laughs> I, I, it's very complex, but I like it. Anyway. Um, Dominic was right in asking if any of us subscribe to the G4 Attack of the Show video podcast, because if we don't, we probably should. Um, he just saw the greatest podcast ever. It's a Brett Ratner video diary for X3, and if we haven't seen this, we totally should. It's the greatest thing ever. He thinks that I'll appreciate it. Um, apparently, he thinks it's the greatest thing ever. Um, apparently so. Do you, do you subscribe to this pod- video podcast? I do not. Or? I don't either. Um, I don't because well, Attack of the Show is what's left of the wonderful, wonderful tech TV show, The Screensavers, which will forever rest in peace. Well, I, and I refuse. I think that to, both I, of us have issues with G4. I mean, we actually yeah. all three of us, if you think about it, we yeah. don't like G4 because it, it ate Tech TV, which was one of our favorite um, channels. We used to love Ron and, exactly. Ron and I would watch Tech TV incessantly. Josh used to work there, and he's got his own issues. Josh used, he used to work at G4, right. not Tech TV. Yeah, he used yeah, to work so. at G4, and that's his whole other thing. But we. We cannot support G4 on principle. In any way. But given that Dominic, Cletus Von Dom, or Dom of the Dead, um, said that we must see it, I might just download it, just check it out. But I will not subscribe. <laughs> I will not continue support. But, but we'll check it out, and maybe we'll talk about it next podcast. Um, also, he just wanted to thank us for a great birthday present. Apparently, the last podcast came out on his birthday, and he really liked the Jenny Lewis song that we used in the beginning. Um, so, and he also wanted to thank uh, Josh and Connor for the kind words about his picture on the Frapper map. No problem. So, so, um, so thank you, Dominic, for writing in. Um, so our next uh, email, kind of similar to Dominic's and, uh, topic of X3. So let's you know get it out in the open. I don't think there's been a more polarizing, and I keep using the word polarizing. And I but it's true. But, but it's true. More polarizing topic in the history of iFanboy than X-Men The Last Stand. Well, this, this, is, a, this is a topic, not just on iFanboy, but, but uh, definitely on iFanboy, but all over the internet I've seen. It, yeah. People seem to be taking this movie very personally. 
it's it's really it's, it's very interesting. They're taking it very personally and very close to the, you know like it's kind of very close to their hearts. And it's it's interesting to see the arguments coming out. And it's almost like civil war. Whose side are you on? True. Do you like it or do you not like it? But um, typically when we get these emails, we don't read them verbatim because we don't want to bore you with just me reading an email. But um, but this particular one from Kyle, I'm going to read from beginning to end before we comment on it um, because I want everyone to hear it. So are right, you ready? No. Um, hey guys, what's up? I recently began listening to your podcast, and let me say that the majority of the time I do agree with your views, reviews and picks. Great job for the most part. Keep it up. However, I just got done listening to your X-Men 3 podcast, and let me say I'm sadly disappointed to hear you had such harsh feelings about a pretty decent movie. Now, before I go off on a rant, I have to say that I did agree with some of the points you were making within the first five to ten minutes of the podcast. That soon changed as you guys started to nitpick about the tiny details that didn't necessarily ruin any aspect of the movie. Just because Psy- Psylocke had different power doesn't make a terrible scene. As for the special effects, the Golden Gate Bridge scene looked awesome. Granted that there were some major things that I did not agree with, like Scott dying within the first ten minutes or Magneto being depowered. I know he's depowered in the Marvel Universe right now, but I hate that too. But you kind of have to take it for what it is. It's an interpretation of the directors and writer, what the directors and writers see as the X-Men, kind of like the Ultimate Universe. It's not the X-Men we know and sometimes love in the 616 comics. If it were, it would be a bunch of Power Rangers fighting in space and would look stupid. I also feel it did not stray from the actual idea of the X-Men. We saw the cure in a darker Professor Xavier, straight out of the Weed and Cassidy run, a Kitty Iceman rogue love triangle from Ultimate X-Men, and a very, very Morrison-esque ending for Jean Grey. Plus we got a, to see a Sentinel, a Danger Room with a very Days of Future Past look to it, a fastball special, and I bet you guys would have been bitching if those things weren't in the movie. Well, although I have so much more to say, I'm rambling, and I will end this tirade with one question. What did you expect to see that you didn't? Because of this, uh, fanboy, that was because of this fanboy, that was about as good as it gets for a movie of the genre. And for as much faith as I have in him, Brian Singer has his work cut out for him with Superman, which I'm sure you guys will bash along with this movie. Signed, Kyle. And then, P.S., perhaps if you guys went into X3 with a less closed mind, knowing damn well that it's not going to be our X-Men, then maybe you would have enjoyed it a little more. That in itself is, is against what the X-Men are all about. I place my head in my hands for you guys. Woo! Wow. <laughs> Kyle, don't pull any punches, man. Um, so we've got a couple of, it's a couple of different things to, to respond to that. Um, well, I, Connor, do you want to take first, it first? Or? First off, I would say um, I think a lot of our positions on this film are being misinterpreted. Also, before we get into this, this is going to be the absolute last word on X3. On this podcast, yeah, we're moving we're on. We're not going to so, yeah, deal yeah, with this movie yeah. anymore. Um, <laughs> I think what happened in our, in our review podcast was what, we had such bad feelings about the movie that at a certain point during the podcast, the dam sort of burst, and every little thing that annoyed us came out. Stuff that wasn't necessarily important to our liking or disliking of the movie. Psylocke being able to turn visible, Ron thought was stupid, but that's not why he didn't like the movie. Uh, Kitty, the Kitty Iceman Rogue Love Triangle is not why Ron didn't like the movie. These are little things. Ron, Ron and the rest of us went off on this nitpick rant at the end because the dam sort of burst and everything came out. But that's can I, can I before you go on? Can I ask a question? Sure. Josh isn't even here, and you're talking about me like I'm not here. Like what? All of a sudden, everyone talks about me like I'm not here. It's amazing. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, but you're right. So, um, so carry on. Go on. So. It's just I think I, I don't know. I don't. Know. Should we take this piece by piece or? Well, yeah, well, I mean, basically, first and foremost, I think Connor, myself, and Josh, if we were here, if you were here, would agree that we are in agreement that our dislike of this movie is not because of the nitpicks, rather because this, as Connor has put so plainly, this was not a good movie. No. 
I mean, it, and the thing is, is that in terms of what we were looking for for a good movie, okay, it, it's it, was it big? Did it have explosions? Did it have effects? Did it have like was it a summer blockbuster kind of movie? Is my dad and my brother-in-law gonna love it? Absolutely. They they vaguely know the X Men, and there was fighting, and there were claws, and there was stuff. They're gonna dig it. Okay, that's cool. But the problem is, is that th- where. X-Men 1 and X-Men 2 by Singer had depth and character development and just, like, emotion and kind of, like, just meat to it. To me, X-Men The Last Stand was all surface and no substance. Yes, all flash. All flash and no depth. That's the main reason why I dislike that movie, because I've already been set up with two movies that were very deep and very prophetic. Now, not prophetic, but very, you know, deep and meaningful, you know? Right. Um, now, now, the thing is, the nitpicks only tie into the negative feelings, Okay, personally, and Josh and Connor will disagree with me. I I get I can get I can go with like the fact that in X Men One, I slightly got annoyed that Bobby was a teenager and wasn't one of the original X Men because Iceman is an original X Men. But I understand this is an interpretation of the movie, and I got over that, and I went with it, and it turned out we got a great character out of it. I'm fine with that. But I do get pissed when you just take a name and a look for Psylocke and just give her what powers that fit a scene. That's because true. I don't feel I don't feel as if that's true to the true to the true to the story. It's like they're taking the it's not true to the story, true to the vision of the comics. It's, they're taking what elements that they need and shoehorning them in to fit in what they need to do with this movie. Well, at that point, so you've got that, it backwards. You've got you've got if your character is serving the story, not the story serving the characters. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that, so that's what pisses me off about those kind of nitpick things. Um, some of the points that Kyle makes about you know that it had stuff from the comics, he's absolutely right. It had a little bit of Whedon and and um, Cassidy's run with the Cure and the Dark Professor Xavier. It had the Ultimate X Men, Kitty Iceman, Rogue Love Triangle, and it had the Morrison esque ending for Jean Grey. He's right. That's from the comics. I made the point in the podcast that any not the Kitty Iceman Rogue Love Triangle, but you could have made a movie purely from the Cure. Right. You could have made a movie purely from Gene Grey. It wasn't these elements. It was the fact that these elements were thrown together in a horrible way. Right. You're going to tell me, like, and Kyle, you even admitted too that you hated the way that they handled Scott dying. You're going to tell me that, given a proper use of Cyclops and a proper telling of the Dark Phoenix saga story, you wouldn't want that more than this. Like, I, I don't, I, I just don't believe it. I mean, like, if they were, if they focused, you see, it's all about. You see, I run into this at work all the time. It drives me crazy. You can do ten things mediocre, or you can do five things really well. And I would rather do five things really well, get less done, but get them done with a higher level of quality. And that's how I see it in this. And I I would think anybody who says that we didn't like the film because it was not quote-unquote our X-Men, which I guess means the comic book version of the X-Men, or however we see the X-Men, all you have to know is that Ron really loves X-Men and X-2, the first two films. And those... I've watched watched X-2 like... Three or four times since I, since I saw X Men: The Last Stand, it's great. And those films are just as far a departure from the yep. quote unquote six one six X Men as this film is. That's not what it's about. That issue is being brought up again and again and again, and it's not at all what it's about. It's about the fact that it was done in a ham handed way. There, exactly. there was too much, too many characters, too many plots. There was no development. There was no, there was no emotion. There was, it was, it was just and, pedal to the metal action, think- which was pointless, and I thought badly shot. Right, and, and that's the thing is that is that everybody has their own different takes on movies, and everybody goes into it looking from a different standpoint. The three of us happen to be, you know, somewhat, 
you know, like aside from comics, some of our also interests lie in film and things like that. We went to college for this all, all that crap. So we're also looking at it from that standpoint. And if you compare X two to X Men: The Last Stand, X Men: The Last Stand, X Men: X Men: The Last Stand is a fun movie, but it is not. I mean, it's like The Godfather two and The Godfather three. Right. I mean, that's what we're looking at, and that's what it boils down to. It's the quality. I can run with the character changes and the story adjustments to fit the movie. I, you know, you didn't hear me bitch at all about anything in X Men One or X Men Two, ever. I didn't. Nope. I loved them. They were great because it was true to the vision. Um, and finally, as far as you know, saying that, you know, that we're probably going to bash Superman. You know, probably not because I've already seen what Singer can do with a superhero movie with two movies, and I'm actually more excited for Superman now than I've been in, in since I knew the movie was coming because I know Singer's going to do a good job. And I, I so, would, I would have, this is something I'd like to mention, which I've seen a lot around, is yeah. people keep bringing up the fact that it was a good movie because it featured the fastball special and it featured the danger room. These, yes. these things in the movie do not make a good film. Right, these exactly. are elements in a film. Their, their existence does not equal good film. What it and, is is a bone thrown to the, the super fans, so they so they can finally go, oh hey, festival special, and then they'll love the movie. That does not yep. equal good movie. And and no offense, and and no, I mean, and honestly, no offense, everybody, no offense, Kyle, but you're just eating it up, and you're just playing into their hands. And the thing is, is that like. Oh, it had. A, I would. I wouldn't have been bitching that there wasn't a fastball special or a sentinel. There wasn't one of the first two films. And I never. I never bitched about that at all. I understood. I understood it didn't work in because Singer. There was supposed to be a Danger Room in X two, and Singer's response to that is that it didn't fit into the story. Hey, look at that story first. Exactly. Substance first. So, and the th- and the thing is that even further, you know, just the fact that we saw a fastball, we saw two fastball specials and a sentinel head. Okay. I'll take it one step further that I would, could have lived without seeing a fastball special or the Sentinel head in this movie if in the next movie we saw it and it actually looked good. Because right. if you're going to tell me that watching Colossus throw Wolverine the way he did made it looked, did not make it look ridiculous, and you're going to tell me that that Sentinel head didn't look like a Power Ranger? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, it, it was just, it was, it was do ten things mediocrely versus doing five things well. That's what it boils down to in my mind. So. And I'll, I'll testify the fact that Ron did not go into the movie close-minded. Uh, yes, I went with him, and we talked. You know, we went out to dinner beforehand, and that, we talked at length about that it. That sounds and, like a date, yeah. by the way. Um, yeah, it really does. Um, yeah. But we talked at length, and he was he was he was not close-minded. If anything, I was probably the most close-minded going to the film of yep, the three of yep. us. And and I went in, and I reserved no judgment until those until the movie started, and and from that point is when I evaluated it. So whatever. So that said. I'm sure you guys are going to have a lot of response to this rant, and we've talked about it long enough. Talk about it on the board. Send us emails. We can argue till the house come homeward, but we're not going to talk about it on the podcast anymore. And um, and just yeah. just having said all this, hey, you like the film? You like the film? Good, great. I'm not yeah, going to be good, I'm not yeah. going to begrudge you liking the film. I don't want to. Exactly. I don't want this to seem like we're attacking those who like the film. We're yes, not. this is just this is purely our opinion, and the fact that you like the film, great. Go see it again. That's cool. That's I mean that's that's what the, if it's if that movie had what you wanted out of it, awesome. I happen to just want it a little more. So, um, so that's that's okay. it. That's the book. The that's book is it. closed. The next three, we don't hate you, people who like it. We just we yeah, we love you, Kyle. You, Kyle, I'm a big fan of you, Kyle. Keep writing, keep posting. It's great. I mean, the the debate is what makes it fun. Yeah, we like we the like debate. It. We this is. I mean, we're fired up. This is this is probably yeah. the most fired up we've been in in a while. This is what we're looking for. So anything that we yep. can talk about with any kind of passion is good. So we don't hate people who like the film. We yep. just didn't yeah, like the film ourselves. Exactly, and don't hate us because we don't like it. We can all get along. Come on. All right, so speaking of getting along, um, <laughs> our last email um, is possibly one of the oddest ones we've ever received. Um, uh, Carter wrote in asking if there's a picture of what we look like on the site because two, two-thirds of us sound hot. All right, first of all, can you, 
Can you send a more divisive email? I mean, it's, it's hard enough to hold the three of us together without us splintering into, you know, just angst and rage against each other on a weekly basis. But now you're going to tell us only two of us sound hot and one doesn't? <laughs> oh. And what's even more troublesome is that me and Josh apparently sound alike. So there so. is probably the two. I'm on the end of it again. Once again. So, <laughs> so either either you're creepy and don't sound hot, or you sound hot and one of us does. I don't know. Well, Carter, we wrote back to you asking, maybe there is a picture of us out there, but which two are you looking for? <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> just can't get any respect. Nah. So anyway, so those are some fun listener mail. Um, if you have any questions or if you think we're hot, um, send us an email <laughs> and tell us at contact at ifanboy.com. Uh, we love to get the email, so keep it coming. So. Oh, boy. Oh, God. So what else Let's we got? Let's look at the frapper map. I'm exhausted after thing. that. Kyle, you've tuckered me out, Kyle. You know that? <laughs> I need a beer. Luckily, it's Saturday. <laughs> so slow week on, on the frapper map. Slow right? but interesting in that we got another pin from our favorite place, Slough in England. For, Which is just amazing. Yes, it is amazing. And we got another pin from, from Dave Withnall in Brisbane and one from cool. Tom in Brookfield, Maryland. So we are cool. continuing. And Dave... Dave actually says that we're one of his top three podcasts alongside Comic Geek Speak and Dignation, which is a huge, huge compliment because Dignation is one of the podcasts that um, that we all enjoy and actually was one of the inspirations for us to do our podcast. And so. I will hope you, you note, Ron, that Tom says, great podcast, but talk more about Western comics. So I feel we must give the people what they want, Ron. Wait, by Western com- We're already talking about Western comics. We don't talk cow- about manga. Cowboys and Cowboys and <laughs> Rootin' tootin' cowboy comics, huh? I will say, the first time I read that, I did think he meant Western world comics. I was like... Yeah, I thought geographic comics as well. I I thought that's what we do every... Oh! Because I'm stupid. (laughs) No, no. Um... So if you wanna if you haven't pushed a pin into the Frapper map, go to uh, frapper.com slash ifanboy. That's F R A P P R dot com slash ifanboy. And, and we um, know there's hundreds of you that haven't. Yes, yeah, there is still literally Slackers. hundreds of you who download it. And maybe you're maybe these hundreds are downloading and not listening and never get this far or whatnot. Maybe we'll start talking about the Frapper map in the beginning. But we want you know, we want to represent on the Frapper map. So it's the only way you can have your own voice on this podcast. So anyway, um, excellent. Well that was <laughs> lovely. Yes. So, um, so if you liked what we talked about or don't like what we talked about or think we're crazy or whatnot, come to iFanboy and tell us. Tell us what you liked this week. Um, you can click on the pick of the pick of the week, which is prominent there on the right side of the of the page, and tell us what comics you liked this week. Whether you know what you thought of Superman, Batman, which I think the consensus across the board from all the users has been in, in agreement. So yes, um, everybody should go pick it up. It's cool. Excellent. So um, let the countdown begin to Superman Returns, <laughs> and um, only four and, weeks now. I know, and um, luckily next week you know, the comic releases will be back on the um, uh, Wednesday schedule. So. Hopefully that screwed me up big time. Yeah, it did. So. All right, well, everybody enjoy the rest of your weekend, and Connor, take it easy. Have a good night. Talk to you next week, guys. Hey everybody, you're listening. I just fucking do it again. Five, four, three, two. Hi, and welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast uh, for the. Well, fuck, fuck, fuck. All right, it's been a long time since I did this. Five, right? four, three, two. Hi, and welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode number 33. Um, 
I hate the ums. All right, last time. Five, four, three. Hey, and welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode number 33. iFanboy.com is a website that we happen to facilitate for everyone to use as well as for us to use. And that, uh, that's awful. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fuck me. Son of a bitch. You had, a, you had it right when you used to write these, man. Anyway. I, I only wrote it one time. The first time I know. I Five, four, Hi, and welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode number... Th- Fuck, dude. Five, four, two. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns.